Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Joining me today is my co-host, my beautiful co-host, Sandra Beck, and also my guests today are Dr. Alan Laika and Harriet Tinka, and they both shared a harrowing and traumatic escape from death. His was from a mixed diagnosis of what he was told was a terminal illness, and she from a near-fatal kidnapping and a beating by a stalker. Dr. Alan Laika has a reputation as a world-class cosmetic dermatologist, thought leader, and philanthropist in his 40 years of practicing medicine. In 2003, his life imploded when he suddenly developed a right foot drop while on vacation at what he calls the happiest place on earth. We all know that's Disney. <laughs> and after extensive testing, he was diagnosed <laughs> yes, with, with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and he was told he would be dead in six months. Uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. Harriet Tinka is an accountant, a youth teacher, a marathon runner, a former Vogue model who was savagely kidnapped and attacked by a male classmate while a student at the University of Calgary. Uh, the attacker left her for dead, and during her convalescence, she initially felt embittered, but she chose hope, not hate, and learned the secrets to living a fantastic life as well. And I got to tell you, um, guys, that this was exactly why this show was started. Because in 2003, I also had a harrowing, horrific uh, motorcycle accident where I ended up being in a hospital for six months and I lost everything. I lost oh my went through divorce, lost my, my job, lost my, you know, uh, I was on, a, uh, on the uh, Canadian National Dragon Boat team. Couldn't do that. I was a drummer in a band. So everything was gone. And while I was figuring out what's life for me, I started this show and I started to look for people who had overcome traumas and tragedies and crisis and things like that. So 12 years ago, I started this and you like the perfect fit, the perfect fit for this. It's amazing. And of course, Sandra is now going through her cancer treatments and she is also treating, you know, her, her, um, horrible diagnosis, I guess, as, as something, you know, with a very positive attitude. Cancer cure my life instead of me curing cancer. So yeah. I'm using it to clean up, fix things, inspire others, and make it a valuable experience and not get too attached to the outcome. Well, you see, there is life at the other side of these things. There and definitely life is. It can actually be better than it was before that. And that's what we'd like to concentrate on. Of course, yeah. we sure don't mind going through our stories because I definitely want to hear your story. And I mean, what, what is it like when somebody says to you, you've got six months to live, get your affairs in order? Uh, you know, it, it's one of the scariest things in the world. It, it really is. You're, you're, it comes out of nowhere because I, mm -hmm. I had gone through extensive investigations and they had found nothing, absolutely nothing. I had brain scans, cat scans, scan scans, and they mm -hmm. didn't show anything. So I went to see this neurologist expecting him to say, you've got nothing. And he said, you better be sitting down when you're going to hear this. And I said, what? He said, there's only one thing that explains this. It's called ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. 
and you're going to be dead in six months. Get your affairs in order. Now, that was cruel. And, and, and so I asked him, you know, is there a way to prove it? He said, of course, autopsy. I I literally lost it at that point. And I said, you know, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. Exactly. So, so, you know, when you go through something like this, you go through stages and the stages actually have been elucidated by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. They're -hmm. called the stages of death and dying. And Mm -hmm. she wrote a book on this. So you go through anger, you go through bargaining. You say, Oh God, give me, I'll do anything. If you'll let this not happen, you go through depression. You know, all these things all happen at once. They're not one continuous phase. And then finally, finally, you're supposed to go through acceptance. Well, the one thing I would not do was go through acceptance. Acceptance was not something that was going to be part of my life. I, I wasn't going to do this, so I fought it, and, and I looked around. Now, this was 2003. The internet was not what it is now. I mean, it was a very primitive beast. Uh, you could only get on by dial-on connections and by telephones. Uh, a lot of times, there wasn't a lot of memory in computers, so you had to use something called DOS to get on and other languages. So you'd learn to do things. But I looked and I scanned the internet. We didn't have Dr. Google back Mm -hmm. then. So what I did is I looked around and I I found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado that had a diagnosis very similar to mine. His name was David Martz. And I got in touch with him after I found this out. And he told me his story. He was almost on his deathbed when doctors came around to say goodbye to him. And a doctor came up from Texas and told him, you know, there's something wrong with this picture. You don't have ALS, David. You've got something else. And he said, well, what do I have? He said, I think you were bitten by a tick and you have something called chronic Lyme's disease. Lyme's disease can mimic almost any disease. And, and that's what was going on. There. And you had Lyme disease? Is that what you had? You know, I, I, if you ask 20 doctors, there's 20 different diagnoses, sure. sometimes 40 different diagnoses because no one could really tell. But I was treated as that. And I got better as a result. Okay. And so, but when you go through this, you start looking around. You start to look for the pieces. You start to look for important things in your life. That's right. And along the way, I met Harriet, who had a very similar but different traumatic struggle. So I'm going to turn it over to her so she can share a little bit to us about yeah. that. Yeah, well, Harriet, oh my gosh, as a woman, I feel that pain. I, I was married to an abusive husband. I have you know, taking a few hits at the end of those fists and nothing like what you had, but um, what a scary, scary uh, adventure for you, especially because you, you, he was a, a former boyfriend, was he? Or somebody who, who admired you and you yeah. had, you had, um, you know, a police report on it. Like he wasn't allowed to come near you. Yeah. I had a restraining, a restraining order on him. Yeah. 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 So yeah. tell me, tell me that. So how long had you gone out or how long we had, had you been friends for? Uh, so I had a, um, I, I still, it still had to believe that I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Yes. Because I had been an international model for, for years and I was full of confidence. So it's hard to believe that I was a victim of a stalker. So my story begins when I just and I decided to focus on formal education. So it was at the university that a fellow student befriended me. Little did I know that this was just the beginning of a psycholo- his attraction was basically a psychological trap. Wow. This guy's in love, which would end up being deadly. And I was a typical victim of domestic violence. I was naive. I was young. 
I have no idea the sign of uh, the signs of an abusive relationship, but yet I trust. I was vulnerable enough to trust him and to, to believe in him. But after a while, I noticed he was very abusive to me. But I confused it for love. So was so he trying night, to separate you from people? Was he trying to, you know, no, you can't talk to this person or that person? Like really, just trying to massage it so that you and him were the only little world that you had to go to. Was was yeah, like that kind of isolate me from other people. Yeah. And he got really jealous with my relationship with other people. Whenever I would talk to somebody, he would say, you shouldn't be talking to them. They're going to influence you differently. I'm the only one who loves more than anybody. So it's always trying to isolate me. And those are some of the signs. When you're going through yeah. an abusive relationship, you think that they care about you. They're protecting you. Was he a foreign student or a Canadian or who he was, was he? was Canadian, half German, half uh, Polish. So he's a Canadian citizen. And he was a very good student. In He was a little bit... He, he, he wasn't very friendly. He didn't have a lot of friends. He was very isolated. What was his major? He was in geography. In geography. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that's how I met him. We had a few classes together. So it was uh, one night. I had been studying. I had a project due. And I looked at the time. I was like, oh, it's time for me to go. So I went over to my apartment, which was only five minutes away from the university. So on my way there, he, he was in the elevator because I walked in with the keys, just looking at my, my handbag. Sure. I wasn't really paying attention. Walked into the elevator and he held my neck and I was frozen with fear. So I started to scream. And what he did, he took his shoes off, took his socks and stuffed me so I wouldn't My God. Scream. And he dragged me, and there's a lot of details in the book, so I just tried yes, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, he, he was um, quite upset with me because I was not complying to his demands. So he gets so upset, he brought a knife and stabbed me on my left leg three times. I started bleeding everywhere. Of course. Even today, it was really traumatic because I don't even remember how I got to the hospital. Because I remember waking up and I, I know that I had a near-death experience because I remember literally seeing my body and seeing everybody around. So when I woke up, the doctor told my father that I, it would take me a long time to learn how to walk. So there I was, international model, walking the runways, selling confidence. Now I was scared, unable to walk and selling depression. Yeah. What yeah. separated me from confidence and depression was my So trauma. did you go to a rehab hospital? Is that where you, you met that little girl? He was a rehab. You bet. In rehab? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was. That's, that's how I, I met the little girl. Because when, you're, when something like that happens to you, you, you feel like damaged goods. So yeah. Depressed, and you feel like you need some hope. So there I was feeling so sorry for myself, saying, why me? Like we all do when yeah. things happen. Then you ask, well, who else is it going to Why happen? not you? Yeah, you get it. Yeah, exactly. So you gotta, you're going to own it. Yeah. So I owned the story, but I was still depressed. Yeah. So while I was in the hospital, a little girl came wheeling in on a wheelchair with so much joy, but I was in my place. I was not interested in talking to her. Anyway, I ended up talking to her and she listened to my story and she was wowed by it. And she had so much joy because in her family, they always talked about stories and sharing. Mm -hmm. So she told me, share your story with the world and make a difference. So this little girl had lost both her parents in a, in a car accident. accident. So she was motherless, fatherless, and homeless. And homeless. 
and yet yes. she had all the joy and all said, joy. hey, mm-hmm. life goes on and, and make, you know, what do you want to do with it? Do you want to sit in, in a puddle of grief or do you want to change the world with it? And I think that's, you know, that's the beauty of, of what we're able to do is, is to change the lives of others with, with our stories, really. So, Dr. Leica, how did you and, and Harriet meet? You, you, you know, did- when I was a uh, world-class cosmetic doctor, I did a lot of work. I did a lot of uh, uh, promotion, a lot of things, but I also gave a lot back. And one of the things I did was I supported the YWCA's Woman of Distinction Award. Now, the Women of Distinction Award is a very special award, and as we discussed earlier, women are very special and and need to be awarded for just being in those categories. But, you know, over the years, there hasn't been awards given to women. It really has been a male-dominated field overall. So when I started doing a lot of this for over seven years, I promoted the YWCA's Women of Distinction. And Harriet applied for an award. It was an interesting award. It was called the Turning Point Award, which was based on her story. So afterwards, we talked many times, and we touched on the commonality of our stories. But more importantly, we touched on the commonalities of the things we found because of our stories. And we found what we call golden pearls, pearls that people have that that really helps them through almost any difficulty. And why are they, what is a pearl so special? Well, you know, a pearl forms because it's because of an irritation in the shell of an oyster. And that oyster puts a, a beautiful material called luster around it to make the pearl grow. So out of trauma comes a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. And there are golden pearls. They're extremely yeah, rare. They're beautiful. They they cost up to $10,000 for a single exquisite pearl. So they are beautiful. They are wonderful. But you know what? The things we found in life are really golden pearls. They're exquisite. They're rare. But when a person integrates them into their life, their life trans- changes, changes and transforms. Well, let's, let's talk about a few of them. I, I just have to make one. I just have to say one thing. Uh, we're going to break down one barrier here. Harriet accountant and vogue model come on <laughs> he said there's no beauty in brains in women okay there we go wow. we, just, we just broke that barrier <laughs> but you know there's something else about here you don't realize she runs death races she runs them in her bare feet 20 miles what it's a crazy woman. Hundred miles. Hundred miles. Hundred miles. Yeah. So it's a twenty-four hour race. So sometimes it's thirty-six. Wow. So it's all mental toughness. Wow. Mental Good for toughness. you. Yeah. I love mental toughness. That's one of my favorite topics. I wanted to just introduce here um, for those that are listening and following along, 13 Golden Pearls, which is the book we're talking about today, does have a Facebook page. So I encourage you guys to pop over there while you're watching this on Facebook Live and like it and see what's there because there's a lot of great information while we have our conversation. Yes, and as as we put more and more posts on, every week we put on posts on the 13 Golden Pearls so people can understand them better. And it's, I, we love this media, Facebook, but it helps to get everybody involved. You know, it's kind of interesting as I looked at the pearls and I read the book. Sandra, last week we had done a show on values. And yes. kind of, they kind of are similar. You know, what do you value? What, and these pearls, I'll show you why. Because your first three, love, inspiration, and victory. Mm-hmm. That you know, those are things that we can value. We, we value people who inspire. I invite, you know, I value being able to inspire 
love, of course, is probably a number one value for many, many people. And, mm -hmm. and victory. What do you mean by victory? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that for a sec. <laughs> Do you want yeah, because you use the word victory, area? not achievement, not success. Yes. There's all sorts of words you can choose, but you chose victory. Yes. Harriet, do you want to cover victory or do you want me to? Oh, you go for it. Okay. Well, victory is basically overcoming things. Okay. It's basically overcoming something that's there. And also in this book is something called vulnerability, which is the <laughs> flip side of victory. You know, to be victorious, you have to realize you have to become vulnerable. You have to put it all on the line. You really have to be to the point that you're really willing to accept failure in order to become victorious. So to me, the victory word is a very important one. It's the sort of thing that you feel at the end of the day saying, yes, I've got it. Yes, it came together. But at the but it's the process that got you there that's even more important than the victory. It's really about all the things that went to make it what it was. And, and really, it's the journey along the way, not just the destination. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, we look at part of that, I, I, that victory is that is being tenacious because you can't have it without it. You can't or give consistent. up. Yeah. I mean, you know, tenacious is one of their, is one of their golden pearls. And um, like, I really feel like attitude and, and being tenacious, like you can't get through an experience like somebody giving you a death notice or a Harriet, you know, somebody leaving you for dead in an elevator. You can't get through that and, and overcome that unless you are tenacious. And well, let me ask you, why tenacious? Like, because you, you convinced me. I just changed my core values from achievement <laughs> and success to victory. So you just okay. got that one. You sold well, me on that one. Tenacious is persistence with an attitude. Tenacious is really persistence with an attitude. That's what okay. Harriet taught me. Yeah. It's not just persistence. I mean, it's persistence with an attitude. Yeah. Tenacious and persistence are sisters, but yes. tenacious is the stronger of the sisters. I agree. I, all right. You convinced me because <laughs> persistence is one of my key indicators of people who are successful. When I bring my clients on, when I interview people, I see persistence. But again, you've sold me, so I'm going to go for tenacity over persistence. You win. Because I do think it's important when we talk about these concepts. You know, these are really big concepts. So what does love mean? What does persistence mean? I mean, for us to define them, I think, is really integral to having a good conversation because mm -hmm. Harriet and Frankie and I may look at love completely differently. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because there isn't one type of love. There's seven types of love, that's according true. to the Greeks. So it's very easy to be on a different page of love because it's a totally different thing for different parts and different ways that we use that. Mm -hmm. That word love is actually seven different words in ancient Greece, which yeah. is very important to realize. So I, I think when we talk about things, it's better important to define our terms. But to me, love is a very important one. Mother's Day is coming up, you know, and, and Mother's Day, you know, what is a mother really, but a person that really loves deeply and takes care of her children more than her own self and taking care of them to that point. But, you know, there are people that haven't had love and you can really see their features. You know, love is one of the few things that you get more, you get more of it by giving more of it. Which is which is one of the very few things in life that really happens that it way. It multiplies. <laughs> yeah. And the biggest one is self love. Just loving yeah. yourself. If you don't love yourself, it's difficult to allow other people to love you. It's true. It's so true. I, I want to talk about the non negotiables. That's an interesting term. Non negotiables. Are those the the you know, you're not getting in unless this, this and this happens? Um 
the, the fatal yeah. flaws? What, what are non-negotiables? Harriet, why don't you take that first? I, I would say non-negotiable is you will not do anything to my family. That's not okay. It's like, where do you draw the line? Okay. Like, that's yeah. not okay. So it's you your boundaries. Yeah, so it's basically your boundaries. Okay. Harriet, tell us how you came about that concept where your teacher that told you about non-negotiables. Oh, yes, I, I remember. <laughs> Let me see. It's basically, I was writing an exam. And uh, the teacher said, these are the following things that you can, in a cha- in a, in exam, these are the only things you can do. If you do not do them, you are not going to pass the exam. So I knew I had no other option. So right. that's kind of how I relate to non-negotiable. This is the rule. If you don't do it, you will not pass the exam. There's no negotiation. Okay. This is what it is. So in coaching, we talk about setting boundaries mm-hmm. in all of our relationships Mm-hmm. Um, in, in everything that we do, you know, it, so as part of a, a part of my values, let's say a non-negotiable is, you know, you don't, like you said, you don't get to hurt my family. You don't get to, to, uh, cross that line. You don't get to hit, you don't get to yell, you don't get to name call. Those are non-negotiables with me. Okay. Ooh. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You spoke okay. so well, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What about what about you, Dr. Leica? What are your non-negotiables? You know, I think for me, I've always been a very, very hard workaholic. I've always been one that uh, always works as hard as possible. When I was a cosmetic doctor, I mean, my day would be very long. I'd work 10, 12 hours a day, but it wasn't just seeing patients. It was doing all the other things with it. So many people recognize my name because I was also in the media a lot, talking to the media, helping them with their things. And I'm always available for questions and things like that too. So it became a thing. So one non-negotiable is not not working. One non-negotiable is just sitting on my butt. So last year when I retired, so to speak, I moved away from medicine. I, I looked around and I said, well, what does retirement retirement mean well to me it means doing, doing what you want to do doing what instead of what you have to do doing what you want to do nice. so that to me is something that's very important and that's another thing about non-negotiable you should really have some vested interest to me my friends my family are very important communicating is very important being part of things and also the one thing that i think should never happen is lying and deceit i mean those are things to me yeah. that are are the backbone of problems in our in our society. And unfortunately, I think we're seeing too much of that right now. <laughs> yes, I think so. I think so. You know, and, and it comes down from the top to the bottom sort of thing. And you see it over and over and over again to the point that it's nauseating, to the point that it's not good and it's not healthy. Well, so but I here, think- I got an even, even greater take on this because I have two little ones that I'm raising. Mm-hmm. And... What it's saying is the more you're exposed to it, the more okay it is as part of a social tool, as an attention getting, as a fundraiser. You know, when you have young ones like I do, they're eight and 13 who gobble up everything and they say, well, that's just, he just said that. He just, she just said that. And I said, well, but you can't say that because that's your integrity. That's your honor. You know, I have to be able to trust you. And then they look at me, now granted they're teens, so I'll give them a little bit of, you know, Attitude. Credence for that. <laughs> but the more permissive we are in accepting and tolerating something, the more it becomes a status quo. And that's the biggest problem that I have with what we're talking about. When is wrong wrong? When is it not okay? And then how do you how do you expect us to draw a line, a boundary, a non-negotiable, if the entire culture is allowing it? Yeah. 
You know, that's very difficult. And, and I, I think we also are responsible to forming society's values and letting society be better because of our own personal values. So one, one of the, the things I think Harriet's going to would share with me is that one of the strongest things, one of the greatest golden pearls is something called forgiveness. And I, I'm going to get Harriet to go through a little bit about forgiveness, because I think forgiveness is, is a principle that very few of us, have, very we have a hard time doing. It's something that we wallow in things, we go over things. But I think forgiveness is a very, very important, strong principle. It is. I know for me, what I went through, I had to, the very first thing I had to do is forgive myself. Because that's the very first thing you need to do when you're healing, forgive yourself. And if you don't forgive, you're getting so angry at the other person. You're getting all worked up. But it's the same thing as drinking poison and thinking the other person's going to die from it. We have okay, to so let me stop you there for a second. Mm-hmm. What were you forgiving yourself from? Being mm-hmm. at the wrong place at the wrong time, for not paying attention, for what? Because you already put out a restraining order. Mm-hmm. Like you did what you could do. So mm-hmm. what, what did you need to forgive yourself for? I needed to forgive myself for allowing him to do that because that's also part of non-negotiable. I allowed him to abuse me. I took, I was accountable for it because if I had said, no, you can't do this, it would not have happened to me. So I had to forgive those things. Yeah. Because if I don't forgive that, I will keep feeling guilty. I'll keep saying, oh, it's my fault. If I hadn't done this, this, it, it, it does you no good. So right. First thing, forgive yourself for allowing that to happen to you. Once you get through that step, then you, you start to go through the steps of forgiveness, to let go and get a community of people to support you because you really need, you can't do it alone. Definitely can't do it alone. You need that support. Also volunteering because mm-hmm. now you're focusing on other people. That's right. The volunteer at the women's shelter and also at the palliative care. So just focusing my energy on other people really helps. I just want to jump in here for a second because, and I don't want to get into my story. Suffice it to say, I got one too. So they're been there, done that. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I found in my recovery was it's not a linear process. And that's the problem Mm -hmm. that I had with some of the stuff, even with, and that's why I stopped you today is Mm -hmm. people. I really thought once I got Mm -hmm. to the point of forgiveness and was working on my forgiveness, which Mm -hmm. took me years. Okay. It didn't happen overnight, but the angels didn't play. The harps didn't play. There wasn't popcorn and roses. You know, I thought once I got to that point, it would be a celebration and done. And what I didn't realize is it was gradual. It increased over time. And I found myself, if you had to deal with your person I have to deal with mine on a regular basis because of a child. You have to re forgive. And so when we talk about forgiveness, you know, and you talked about Dr. Elizabeth Kubler Ross's stages of grief, all of these are great um, models, but what I want to just talk about is the messiness Mm -hmm. because you do vacillate even in the forgiveness process, you vacillate, you go back and forth, the bargaining, you go back and forth and you know, you think you're done, you think you've forgiven and then either something happens and then you have to rework your forgiveness process again, or it pops up 
years later. And that's, you know, I just wanted to, to see if I can't be the only one who had to work on re-forgiveness and had kind of this slingshot effect. It wasn't a nice, linear, neat package. Can anybody, um, anybody want to talk oh, about that? I totally agree with that. It's just, you feel, you, you think you're doing well, and then you regress. Maybe you see something, you may see something, somebody walking or an item. Then you or start smell. to cry. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just everything. It's not, you're right. These steps are great, but I look at them, look at them as a tool. Yeah. It's a tool. Yeah. If you pick yeah. up, you pick this one up, it work. You put it back. It didn't work for you. So you, you do what works. Those, all that information, all the reading is great information, but it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go into Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages a bit. Although these are stages, I don't think they all happen independently. I no. think they all happen at once. They you know, us, us, us people are in our irrational beasts, so to speak, that many, many things go on. So, I mean, how many times in your day do you go from happiness to sadness, from from being intuitive to being angry? I, I mean, we're, we're emotional animals more than we are really linear animals and cognitive animals. Mm-hmm. Although we use those as tools and and we hope your the book that we create is going to be a good guide for you it's meant to be a tool and it's meant for you to help discover your own unique self and your own unique traits it's meant for as a discovery tool and that's why each each part of it is anchored by a story because then you relate to the story so that you can bring out your own experiences Mm -hmm. And, and that's why we love to be on on podcasts and on the media and i love Harriet to be with me because she compliments me. I say something, she finishes the sentence. And I, I and, and she says something, I finish her sentence. So we've been a great uh, partnership here, making this a, a unique experience for many people. So, so your book is available, obviously Amazon and, and is it hard? You know, right now it's not up on Amazon yet. Oh, we encourage okay. everybody to get it at a link called fantasticlifebook.com. Okay. The reason why we do that is two things. First of all, we want to give back to society. So if you buy it there, we will give 20% of the proceeds of the book to charity. And nice. the charity we've chosen is for abused women in the inner city. So we're going to be uh, giving that 20% to them. And in this crisis, there's a lot of women being abused right yeah. now. And we'd like to help them. Secondly, we can cover the postage that way. So if you buy it from fantasticlifebook.com, that'll be there. Now we're having our grand send off on June the 5th. So okay. it will be up on Amazon at that time and it will be there. So we want people to have it and be able to hold it and be able to see it. Um, it it's, it's really is something we want people to in, integrate into your life. And we would sure love to see it a bestseller. Yeah, a lot of people, and, and I, I, you know, I, I really hope that it is a bestseller. It's a wonderful book. It really is. The stories are, are really great. And it's, it's not a difficult concept. It's, you know, you've got these, these pearls of wisdom, these jumping off points to look at your own life introspection um, and out, go back out into the world. Like you talked about the forgiveness. Um, and people always say forgiveness isn't for the person who battered you or whatever. Forgiveness is for you for you um to feel better let's go to thankfulness because i think they kind of both go hand in hand a little bit Mm -hmm. you know thankful grateful um 
Yeah, for, you, for, you know, the, they are a bit of two sides of a coin, but I, I think thankfulness is a general expression that you've got to give before you get. And and I think that is something that a lot of people have a problem with. You know, we're in a me, me generation right now. It's all about me. It's all about the things I do. It's all the things I do. I, I really think we got to get beyond that that now an ego is a very important thing you should have a healthy ego but at the same time i think uh giving is part of getting you know living in canada and being in canada i was always amazed that when i go to a tim hortons in line and i'd go up to the till and somebody said the person before you bought your coffee for you and i, and I said wow that giving forward attitude was something that i've really liked to, and something that i think differentiates us from a lot of people but you have to be able to give to get in this day and age. And I, I think that's very important. No. Very important. Say a little bit more about like, I'm going to just buzz in here because sure. I have my Tim Horton cup out here. And, I uh, sent her one. Becky <laughs> sent it to me as part of a care package. Um, but I think, you know, when we were talking about the stages and the processes, I don't think I could have the first year after worked from gratitude worked from thankfulness. I think it was buried under too much rage and hatred and anger and pain and hurt. So though I recognize that that's an integral step, I didn't get to that point, Doc, until like year two and three. And I would fake it, you know, because that's what my therapist says. Oh, you know, you've got to do these things. You got to, and I was always very philanthropic, help people, but I was resentful. I had a lot of resentment and, you know, I think that to get to the pearl, you know, you talk about the little grain of sand in the oyster, that's what happened to all of us for various stories. Um, but getting under the layers of those things, I think you get to the point of gratitude and thankfulness and things, but it's really hard for somebody that's watching or listening today who's struggling right after trauma. I don't think I could even go there. And and I'd like to ask Harriet or Frankie, in the first months after, could you even comprehend being grateful or thankful? For me, no. I did not even think about things. I was so busy feeling sorry for myself. And crying for me was very therapeutic. Yeah. I, found I, I wanted to cry. I needed to cry. I needed to be away from the world. You just want to be in your own cocoon because it, it, you just feel better. And it's part of the process. I'm going to say something though. Like for, for the, for my accident, I didn't have a problem. I didn't feel angry for some reason. I felt like it was supposed to happen. However, for the abuse with my husband, I was really, really angry. And I think it's, it, that's a, a, I can throw this out there. I think it's a problem that smart women have because we're so smart and we mm -hmm. think, how can this happen to us? And, and that's what really pisses us off. Like, cause mm -hmm. you know what? You're a smart girl. How did this happen? And I, I, you, I hear it over and over and over with women that, you know, uh, and it happens to, you know, to, it happens to everybody, smart or not, uh, but especially women who, you know, educated, who are educated and who figure like, how did I end up here with this? Like, I, this, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. Yeah. Did you it feel like that? It does. It boils down to your self-esteem too. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have so much love for yourself, you wouldn't let that happen to you. Because now I know there's no way it would ever happen to you. And then you don't want to tell your friends because you're embarrassed. Yeah. You are, exactly, yeah. Right? How could, I can't tell them. Like, what are they going to think of me? 
Well, yeah. and there are some cases that people don't recognize what happened to them till much later, you know, because we're talking about tangible forms of abuse here or tangible forms of trauma. You had a bike accident, you had a diagnosis that, you know, a misdiagnosis, you know, you had a a terrible trauma happen to you, an attack, but there's also those deep little, you know, we see them in women. I see them a lot in my work with women who've been married 20 years, men who've been married 20 years. They're traumatized. They're traumatized by financial abuse. You know, the withholding of of money to a mother to be able to feed her children um, as methods of control and disempowerment. And yes, they're not a punch in the head, but I will put my money down because of experience that the name calling, the financial abuse, the withholding of love and affection, the the create creation of threat and fear in the household with small children that is as powerful as of any other form of trauma or abuse and that's why i'm you know part of this conversation today to talk on behalf of those people who maybe didn't get a black eye but are still struggling 20 years later from an experience Yeah, I I think it's important to realize abuse is a process. It's not a one-time thing like Harriet and I had trauma, but abuse is an ongoing uh, misbehavior line that that keeps on perpetuating itself and it doesn't work. It's not a healthy thing. And we'd like to see people have healthier, more confident lives and move on from some of those things. And that's where the concept of forgiveness comes in, which again, is not a one-time thing it's an all-time thing Mm -hmm. and i think it's important to realize that we grow as we do many of these things and it's a growth step it's a process in itself this is not something you're going to read the book and you're going to change overnight no you have to integrate it you have to make it part of your own life you have to take it on as your own being but again there are universal themes here that we found and the universal themes are ones that are common to a lot of situations and a lot of different things i gotta ask you guys something when i was in the hospital for six months I did a survey, informal survey, positive, negative, you positive did. or negative. Are you positive or negative? Were your parents positive or negative? Like somebody next to me broke a fingernail and I would have thought she broke her back, you know? So what, wh- where were you? Who were you before? Were you a positive person or a negative person? Are you chicken little or were you like, oh, everything's going to be fantastic. Cups always, always full. Dr. Lyka, let's start with you. Well, you know, I I tend to be on the positive side, but I think the positive side because you do realize the downside and you do realize the negative side and everybody that's positive that doesn't say they have down days I think they're they're lying I'm not meaning that I don't mean that but just to be able to take your experience and be like you're gonna die in six months and then be able to wipe that away and say you know what I'm gonna do something fantastic with my life from now on yeah where does that come it comes from somewhere not everybody can do it. I mean, they can do it, but not everybody does it. You know, as a doctor, I, I've dealt with death. I've dealt with dying. I've dealt with other things that go on. I think it must be terribly traumatic for a doctor having to deal with COVID and death after death after death. But, you know, you have to be able to divorce yourself from things and have to be able to compartmentalize it a bit and saying, yes, that was then, but this is now. This is where I'm taking that positive step. And I think a lot of life is taking baby steps, not not taking that giant hurdle that you have to go through, but taking little steps along the way. 
and, and Harriet will know about myself, but one thing is I always say is I know one or two things about one or two <laughs> things. And, and, and as long as I know one or two things about one or two things, I'm happier for it. I don't try to get the whole picture at once. I don't try to comprehend it at once. But it's those little baby steps you take along the way to get there that I think are very important. But you've got to start with one step. And right. one of the steps is enthusiasm in our book. I think enthusiasm is a very important thing. Now, enthusiasm comes from yourself. It doesn't come from outside. It's something that you have to do on a daily basis. Decide that you're going to bring your enthusiastic game. You know, you can bring your dour game anytime, your grumpy game. That That's an easy game to bring. It's or the blame easy. game or the blame game or the it's it's not me game or it's mm-hmm. it's their fault game it's it's the easy game. To do that. I see that a lot yeah <laughs> but you know the positive game is a whole how a whole different game putting on your smile and convincing yourself that things are going to be better that really realizing you've been there you've done that and things are better now than they were before and realizing that many of these things that you went through the terrible harmful hateful things are what made you better rather than worse you know uh, a tree grows because of the hard things that it goes through and it's got to be uh, go through the thing a diamond comes about because of heat and 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 flame it makes carbon into a thing a pearl comes about because of the trauma that it's going through so all these the things I, I think you have to realize <laughs> are part of that thing and 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 it's the true. process is what makes you better for it not worse was it's your wife a doctor? My wife's a family doctor, yes. Okay. Well, you didn't quite come out and say it, but she's en français, oui? Ah, c'est, c'est, c'est bien. C'est, c'est, c'est correct. Uh, je parle français un peu, mais je suis un maudit bloque. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak some Swahili. D'accord, d'accord. Okay. Are you going to throw in Swahili? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I started to take Swahili. Yeah. I have to tell you about an interview I did. What's the Swahili word for love? Nakupenda. Nakupenda. What about forgiveness? Oh, what is forgiveness? Um, oh my goodness, I just froze. I forget. It's okay. It'll come to you. Don't worry. We put you on the spot. I think I think uh, Swahili is a beautiful language. Um, I want to. I just want to acknowledge that that Dr. Laika um, has become the district level. Toastmaster competition, he won. So congratulations. Oh, that, that was Harriet that, was that did that. Oh, Harriet, you did that? Oh my God. Harriet did that. Wow. I, my apologies. <laughs> Amazing. Good for you. Congratulations. Right. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. You. I love Harriet's a many faceted person, just like myself. I'm very competitive. <laughs> yeah, sounds like, boy, run 100 miles and with your stop bare feet. <laughs> I do barefoot, actually. Do you? I do barefoot running when I'm doing Where, my outdoor marathon. How do you? Oh my God! How does your body hurt? It doesn't hurt. No, it's all. I think it's all mental toughness, and it's wow. a victory because I know what I'm gonna get at the end. So I've 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 done races where I literally have a broken leg, but I know I have to. Wow. You know what? I, my my rod and my femur broke three months after I came home, and I had to walk on it for a year before I could go back to surgery. There was just no operating rooms. I know what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> not fun. It's not hurting. It's not it's hurting. But here, wow. Let me ask you: Was that part of your 
Because I find that after, like when we talked about before, after trauma, before, after abuse, like, you know, Frank, you mentioned how you were before versus how you were after to circle back to that. Harriet, like, you know, you talk about running with a broken leg. Mm -hmm. Did you have that capability before and, or was it grown a gift, a pearl out of your experience? Because what I found with me is the experience showed me I am so much tougher than I ever thought. And now I have this, like, I call it the kill switch for lack of a better word, (laughs) but I have a thing that's like, here's me baseline. And then if I need to kill, I can turn on that kill switch. And I think that's one of the things, whether it's kill the pain, kill the whatever, um, I can flip that switch. And I don't, I think that is a gift from my experience. Oh, I agree. I was the same before I, before this happened to me, I was a sprinter. So I was all about speed, getting it done quickly. And then it happened to me. I had to slow down. I, I don't even think I would have even ever imagined running a hundred miles. But the, the experience that I went through, all the trauma and all the negative energy I had, I found it was so easy to start running. Like I run and my mind clears, just being in nature. just It's a challenge for me. And I found it has changed me to, to become a better person. And it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. That's right. That's right. You, you, you guys said something, and I think it's very astute. Being adver- um, because of adversity, it can poison some and strengthen others. Just mm-hmm. an amazing point. I mean, I know people who, who are in it right now who I find so toxic, and yet mm-hmm. I, others like yourselves, it strengthened, you know, it yeah, just strengthened it you. And I think, I think uh, that's why I wonder, you know, I'm, I'm always curious. Who were you before and who were you after? And did it change you? And I think it does. Like you said, it strengthens you to go through adversity. It strengthens you if you do it. Like all those things that you mentioned, Dr. Leica, you know, the diamond and, all, and the caterpillar and the butterfly, whatever. Um, what do you two hope for and where are you going with all of this in the future? Oh, well, What's the plan? I'll get What's you the to start plan? and I'll finish off. Yes, Harriet, go ahead. Well, I, I would just love for people to just wake up every day feeling that they're so fulfilled and just living their fantastic life because my definition of fantastic life is different from yours. Sure. I just want people to be happy, just happy, because when you're happy, you can do way so much. Yeah. That's my wish for everybody. Nice. Well, we, we've got a, a big plan here in that we, you know, this is a book, one of two books on the secrets, because unfortunately, we started with 20 golden pearls, and there just wasn't enough space to put it in a book. It was all from, it was like drinking from a fire hydrant. So we decided to break that down into two books. And through this, we've also realized that there's the secrets of living a fantastic business life. I think people have to do that as well. There's a big disjoint in people of bring of, of business and living. And we're going to bring out a book on that as well, where we integrate the golden pearls into that. Awesome. Now each golden pearl in itself is something we have to dwell on a bit more. So in each golden pearl, we're going to turn that into a book. So where a hundred authors will be invited Nice. to come and share their experiences on it. So maybe you two, with your part, would like to share some experiences for one of those books as well. A, a short story of what you went through and how it affected you on one of the pearls. So all of this is going to be a many, many years of work. Harriet nice. and I are also professional speakers. We'd love to be on people's stages if they'd like, once they open up, or even on their virtual stages to help them as well. Because as you realize, 
realize it's not just the written word that we're good at. Yes. We're also good at the spoken word. And we'd love to share that and make people have better days and better lives as a result. We're giving right now. We're in a process of giving a lot back to society. And that's why we make ourselves available for, for interviews like this and everything else so that we can make people, help people with their journeys because it truly is a journey. It truly, it's not the destination. It's the journey along the way. Yeah. You know, a long, long time ago, at the very beginning of this, I interviewed, um, he was the founder of BNI, the business network. And his, their motto is givers get. And you're never to ask anybody for anything, business or whatever, until you've at least given to them six times. Mm. And I think that's, that was very powerful. I really like that a lot. I think uh, in life with, with anything, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good motto. It's a good way to go to, because to, you always get back. You know that. We know that. Givers yeah. know that. Yes. And that's when givers have to learn to become receivers sometime too. And <laughs> say thank you, which is a yeah. hard thing to do sometimes because we're not, we're so busy giving. It's hard. Exactly. Exactly. It's hard. You know, in Africa, we have a, a saying where you always put your hand out when you're giving and you put the other one behind. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, nice. Yeah. So give, but you don't, you don't expect. So where were you born? I was born in Kenya. In Kenya. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I came here when I was quite young. So for me, gratitude was huge. Just the little things, even getting ice cream, that was exciting. Everything was different. The, the, the doorknobs here, you know how you open the door? That's different. It's just the little things, washing machines. I, I was always happy with just the simple things in life. That's so funny. Um, I have to tell you about this woman I interviewed from, from Kenya, who when she a teacher had brought ice cream to her in Africa and she looked at it and she didn't understand it. She didn't understand why are you so excited about this? We don't get that. We don't get, we don't have things like that. No. She's like, why, why would you want this cold stuff? I don't get it. It was funny. I have to tell you about her. Well, I want to thank both of you and all three of you, really. Thank you so much for, for coming on and joining me today. And those of you who are listening on Facebook live, thanks for joining us. Those who are going to be listening after the fact again, Sandra, can you give them the website again, please? Um, the, which one, the empower me and, and living a fantastic life. Mm-hmm. Dot com. Is that what it is? Living a fantastic life.com? That's one of them. But I think you should go to my website, Dr. Ellen Lyka.com. Okay. Dr. com, Because all the things are on there and we're trying to use that as a, a meeting point for it. And that's L-Y-C-T-A. And if you want to get the book, fantasticlifebook.com, please go there and pick up a copy and pick up one for a friend because I'm sure they're going to love you if you give them a copy of it. There you go. And Mama's Day's coming, so why not? Yeah. Great. yeah. <laughs> why not? I, I sent a note to my to one of my sons and I said, Mother's Day is coming soon. And, and he wrote me back. He goes, so are you hinting for something? I go, no, you have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cute. I like that. It's pretty funny. All right. I'm going to take us off Facebook. Goodbye, Facebook friends. And I'm going to stop my recording right here.